All right, guys, we got a fresh face up here on stage, going to be presenting the word this morning. It was about a month ago, December 10th, we introduced Kent Forrester and his family. They have just moved down here. They spent the last few years in Uganda, and Kent has just joined our staff just, what, four days ago. It was his first day, and we decided let's just throw him up on stage and have him preach, all right? He's got a word that's stirring in his heart, and so he's going to be sharing this morning. Take it away, Kent. Wow. Awesome. Hey, good morning, church. Um, we, we literally have like 35 minutes, so let's just jump into it. So what, what qualifies Sean? He's at a discount tire. He's getting his tires rotated. He's hanging out. What qualifies him to walk up to a random stranger and say, I, I, this is going to be a little awkward. Like, like I get it. It's going to be awkward for you. It's a little awkward for me. But I feel, like, I feel like God wants to encourage you with something. What qualifies him to do that? Who's Sean? Sean, go to Bible school? Did you go to Bible school? <laughs> okay. Was, was Sean a pastor? Okay, here, here, here's, here's really the question I like, to, I, like to, I like to ask and consider. Did Sean go to Discount Tire to do ministry for the Lord? Did he? He was doing life. Here's what qualifies Sean. The Spirit of God dwells within him. And he literally said, God, I, I practically need to get my tires ro- rotated. I practically need to be here. Is there anything you want to do? And you know, most of the time, I feel like Father's going to say, no, son. I just want you to enjoy my presence. Remember when I was spending time with you this morning? You were spending time with me, and I was speaking words of encouragement and affirmation. I just want you to remember, son, who you are, who I say you are. Most of the time, Father's going to say that. But every now and then, the Holy Spirit says, hey, you see that guy? And how do we see? I mean, out of 15, 16 guys in a room, how do we know it's that guy? A buddy of mine, a long time ago, we, we, we met in the most random place, in a cemetery of all places. We met a traveling band. It was literally Hank Williams Jr. the third. He does this speed metal rock and roll. We met these guys that said, hey, come watch us tonight. I asked my wife, hey, do you care if I go watch speed metal tonight? Took a buddy of mine, we're sitting there hanging out, and literally like, Spirit of God, why are we here? What is this? And, and just clears the bell, the drummer. There's six guys on the stage. How do you know it's the drummer? How do you know it's that guy? We have the knower dwelling within us. And you just know. And it's not some, guys, it's not some religious thing. It's not some spiritual thing. It's simply a call. I like how you said it, Sean. It's a call to obedience. Father, I feel like you've highlighted that guy. I can obey and go up to him and get the awkward stuff out of the way and get involved in a conversation, or I can stay here safe. Either way, I'm loved. Either way, I'm good. But possibly this guy's going to get blessed today. Here's Hunter and Kelly or Kelsey. Kelly. Here's Hunter and Kelly going the other side of the world. What qualifies them? I mean, I know some of you in this room are asking that. What qualifies these guys? Here, here's what I would say, and I don't, I don't even know who they are. They've been faithful where God puts them. To do what? To be pastors? To do ministry? To bring people into a, a set of rules and religion? They've been faithful where God puts them to do what? To give hope to people. And now God is sending them to the other side of the world. And here, here's what I would say. So pretend nobody else in the room, it's the three of us. Here's what I would say to you guys. You don't have to up your game. You don't have, you don't have to go and be a missionary. What does that even mean? 
You literally have to go and do what you've always done. Father, I want to be faithful to you, and I want to be faithful to do what you say. And then they're going to come back, and they're going to have amazing stories and testimonies of what God has done with them and through them, and, and most importantly, what he's done in a nation. And all they did, like right now, all of your plans, you can set them aside, literally, and say, God, what are you saying? I'll do it. Just make it clear. Yeah? So what separates Sean here in College Station at Discount Tire and Hunter and, and Kelly are going to go to the other side of the world? I would say very little. Open your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. It, it's fun being up here this morning because some of your faces in the past month I actually recognize. It's like most of your faces, sorry, I don't. But it's like I'm starting to recognize people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. I'm going to read it. We'll read it quickly. And then there's, there's one part in there we really want to touch on. And all this is a gift from God who brought us, you and I, brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us, you and I, this message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with Christ through God. We've been made right with God through Christ. That's all of us in this room. Rather, we're here in this community or going to the other side of the planet. That's all of us. We have the opportunity to go into the throne room because of Christ. He drew us. He reconciled. He caused us to be able to come before Father. There's, there's very little difference, guys. We were brought back to God. We Reconciliation, to reconcile, to bring back into relationship. We weren't brought into Christianity. As we go out and we, we, we try to bring people into Christianity, we wonder, why is no one responding? Why is this so difficult? Why is there no joy? Because you're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. We were brought into relationship with Father. And now God has given us, it says it two times in those verses, He has given us... The task. In the Western culture, we love task. This, this is permission to be task-driven. He has given us the task of doing what? Bringing men, bringing women back to, to God, into relationship with God. So we got a couple of questions we're going to ask, and we're going to go pretty quickly. Question number one, what does this look like? A relationship with God. And all of us have different thoughts, we have different ideas, we have different experiences. What does this look like, bringing someone into a relationship with God? I, I would say, let's just kind of cut the corner, let's go to Genesis 1 and 2, and what did it look like? The first man, the first woman that God had a relationship, what did that look like? He gave them identity, he gave them provision, he gave them purpose, and he gave them one command. He, the creator, was constantly giving to them the createe, the created. That was a relationship. His response in return was, give me your heart. I will give you everything else. You give me your heart. So when we're doing ministry, when we're out in Discount Tire, when we go to a foreign land, 
when I go to my workplace, when I go throughout my neighborhood, guys, the goal isn't to preach. The goal isn't to teach. The goal isn't to do ministry. The goal is to bring people back to a place where they can know who they are. They can know how they're going to get by, how their needs are going to be met. They can know what their purpose is. And then the simple command of give, give, give me your heart. We are surrounded by people. Guys, we are surrounded by people who are still asking these questions. Who am I? What's my purpose? How am I supposed to get by in life? Come on, take a minute. Some, some of us in this room, because we're still walking out this process of gaining the understanding of His goodness and His love, we're still asking some of these same questions. But I want to tell you this. We're surrounded by people who are asking these questions. I read an article this week in, in Japan. There's a forest. I won't even try to explain the name of it. It's in Mount Fuji, at the base of Mount Fuji, 12 square miles. I, I saw a little nod. You apparently read the same article. Did you? Okay. Read the same article. Literally, this particular forest in Mount Fuji is where the Japanese go to commit suicide. Estimated 20,000 a year. 20,000 a year. They're going to a 12-square-mile forest because in their thought process, something happens there when they die. No hope. No purpose. No idea who they are, how, how well loved they are. Estimated 20,000 a year. Everything within me says, well, that's pretty easy. Let's go and remove the forest. Or, number two, let's go and let's pray over this thing, the sons, of daughter, sons and daughters of God going and destroying the works of the devil. But then it also makes me think about around us. We're surrounded by the same people. who have, we've just lo They've lost hope. They had their plans. I'll get a degree. I'll get a good job. Things will work out. And they've lost hope. We have the knower within us who knows what they need. More importantly, who they need. And it's not a qualification other than, do you know the knower? I think most of the time, guys, you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, I think most of the time you do. And it's just that little nudge of, Lord, I'm not for sure. I think this is you. I think you said that. I'm not for sure, but I'm going to step out just in case. And here's the deal. So let's say Sean with the discount tire, he walked up to a guy, hey, I think I got a word for you. And what if the guy would have just been stone cold, nothing? No response, nothing. That would have been awkward. Has anyone ever had an awkward experience with a stranger? Did you get over it? Did they get over it? That would have been the worst case scenario. But what was his response? Man, for the past two months, people have come up to me and spoken to me. Every one of you has a backstory of how God got your attention. For some of you, it took six months. For some of you, it took six years. We all have a backstory, right? That guy has a backstory. That guy has a mom or a grandmother who's been interceding on his behalf. That guy has a, co a co-worker from work who literally has just been trying to get seeds of truth into his heart. And random son of God, Sean, comes along, and all he, all he does is just say, hey, you know what? Everything you've been hearing, it's true, it's true, it's true. And then here's what I really like. He didn't say, hey, let me preach to you for a moment. He said, let me tell you what God's done for me. Let me tell you a little bit of my story. There's power in that. There is power in the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So first question. 
Who do we help reconcile back to God? If we've all been given this ministry of reconciliation, we've all been told, bring men and women back to me. Who do we do this with? Open your Bibles, Matthew 13. A couple of us are going to get shaken this morning gently. It's going to be a gentle shaking. And if you'll go home and if you'll argue with the one who wrote it, it's going to be a good turnout. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The question is who? Who do we help reconcile? We're surrounded by people. There's broken and hurting and lost everywhere around us. Who? Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. How did he discover there was hidden treasure on somebody else's property? In Texas, you get shot for that. (laughs) At least in West Texas. How did he discover there was hidden treasure on somebody else's property? He was looking for it. He discovered it because he was looking for it. Go to verse 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. This gets even more specific. He's looking for a choice pearl. What's this guy doing? It literally says it. He's on the lookout. He's a merchant. He's rough around the edges. He probably doesn't have the best grammar. He he probably wouldn't be the first guy you would want to invite into your home for dinner. But he's probably the very guy we need to invite into our home for dinner because he's on the lookout. He knows there's something out there worth giving his life to. He is looking for it. Who do we help reconcile back to God? These two guys, they are searching they are looking, and here's, here's kind of the, the underlying factor. They're not searching for Jesus. They're searching for something worth giving their life to. They're searching for something worth living for. They're searching for more life than they currently have. They're not looking for Jesus. They want life. Room got quiet. Who has life? Who's the author of life? Who's the perfecter of life? Who's the path of life? Jesus. So as we come in contact with people who are searching for life or searching for more, guys, I think a lot of time I just want to encourage people, relax. Relax and let the Holy Spirit do what He's promised He's going to do. And He's going to woo their hearts. He's going to draw them closer to Himself. It doesn't have to happen on day one, although it does often. It doesn't have to. They're just looking for life. They need to spend enough time with us to realize we actually have life in different degrees and different levels, but we have life. And let me tell you where I found it. His name is Jesus, and he loves you, and he has a plan for you. So who do we help reconcile back to God? Those who are looking for it. Who do we generally engage with? This is the ruffling part, if you're, if you're wondering. Who do we generally engage with? Who do we generally give our time to? 
the broken, the lost, and the hurting who do not want new life. They have responded to the gospel. In the four soils, when the sower is scattering the seeds, there's four different soils. In the second soil, it says they responded immediately with joy to the message in which they heard. But then because persecution and trouble came, they faded away. We all know these guys and girls. They responded immediately. Trouble came because we live in a spiritual realm. Trouble came because they responded to the word, and now they are fleeing from the very thing that they said they wanted. Yeah? We spend most of our time chasing those guys and chasing those ladies down. They're broken. They're hurting. They're lost. We should have compassion. They responded at one time. We spend most of our time and most of our effort with people who do not want what you have. That sounds awful, but it's true. We're spending most of our time with people who either the seed falls upon their heart and they're not going to respond, or the seed did fall upon their heart and it was short-lived. Could you imagine, what if we just divided our time that we give to others in 50? 50%, 50%. Continue giving 50% of your time to those who do not even want life. Continue doing that, because we're wired to do it. Give 50% of your time to those who are searching for life. Who are literally searching for it to the extent they're, they're trespassing on somebody else's property because they know there's something they're worth living for. Spend 50% of your time with those guys. Who did Jesus spend most of his time with, y'all? Trespassers and merchants who found something <laughs> worth living for. I know we're processing. I know we're processing. That's why I want you to go home and argue with him. We are surrounded by the broken, guys, and we are to be compassionate, we are to be kind, and we are supposed to be love and grace and mercy. But then who do we give our time to? The ones who are actually searching for more life. Guys, you will see a fruitfulness in your life. If you, if you even attempt this this calendar year, you will see a fruitfulness in your life that you only hear about from up here. You will see, you will experience, and you will be a part of a fruitfulness. It will literally blow you away when you do it His way. Father, who do I give my time to? Those who want more life, those who are searching for it, those who aren't going to stop until they find it. I'm convinced we want to be a part of what God's doing. I am, or we wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning. I'm also convinced that often we're doing it in a way that makes sense to us and not in the way that he's clearly prescribed. Again, it got really quiet. So how do we do it? We've talked about who, so the question now is, so how? How can we help bring others back into a relationship with God? If you're a note taker, write a couple things down. These are easy. These are super easy. Number one, pray. Communicate with Father. Sean was there. He finished reading his book. He had 10 minutes. He said, Father, is there anyone here? I'm willing to stand up in front of the room. I don't necessarily want to, but I'm willing to. Is there someone else you just want me to speak to? Is there somebody that is just going through something? So number one, pray. Number two, we gain an understanding, a spiritual understanding, that it's not up to us. We are co-laborers. We are junior partners in this deal. He is the senior partner. We are the junior partner. He gives us a ton of legroom. He gives us a ton of authority. He gives us a ton of rope. He gives us tons of lanes to run down. But ultimately, it's up to the senior partner where this thing's going. 
We are co-laborers. When I have that understanding that it's not based upon how well I orate, it's not based upon how many people I talk to, it's not based upon my performance, it's not based upon how quickly I can bring out scriptures, it's based upon, Father, have you been drawing this person near? Because if you haven't, I'm wasting my time. But if you have been, I'd very much like to be a part of it if you'll show me what I can do. And you'd be surprised how many times the Lord will literally just say, invite him to lunch. Invite him to your home for a meal. Okay, but when do we do some spiritual thing? Have him in your home. Let him see what you got. Number three. Jesus said he was the light of the world. When men and women were near him, they could see more clearly the things of God. And Jesus left. He said, now you are the light of this world. Go and let your light shine. When I was in college, uh, I was in college for a period of time, stopped going, went back to college. I was going to a particular night class. There was a, a little lady in that class. She was probably 60. She felt a little awkward that she was around. I was a little older than most of the students. She was a lot older than most of the students. Just kind of loving on her, encouraging her, giving her a high five, just being a regular, real person with feelings, yeah? Showing a little bit of just normal compassion and mercy. She literally one day said, every single time you come in the room, it's like a light bulb goes off. It's like a light bulb goes off. I wanted to go to the bathroom and cry. Because she had no idea what God had brought me out of. I didn't know that was going to happen now. Teary-eyed Tim, man. She had no idea what God had done. And literally for someone to say, it's just like a light goes off. Guys, you can't create that. You can't fake that. You can't practice that. The Spirit of God dwells within you. Jesus, your King, your eldest born brother says, you are light. Just show up into a room. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about how you're going to start. Just show up. There's something going on, guys, in this physical realm, and there's something powerful going on in the spiritual realm. It's amazing. If we could have eyes to see it, most of us would have to fall over. You are light. Number, uh, number four, Jesus said, you are the salt of this earth. Guys, when you go to work, you bring seasoning from heaven. When you go to school, you bring seasoning. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know clearly said you're salt. You add flavor from my throne room. You add flavor from my kingdom. What else does salt do? It makes people thirsty. You, it's not words on a paper. It's a reality of who you are. You are salt of this earth. Why? Because the spirit of life dwells within you. When you go to your business meetings, it's amazing to take three minutes before you go and say, Father, I don't know this guy. I don't want to only do a business. Where is this guy lost hope? Some of my most amazing conversations and relationships have happened in the beginning of business meetings. And I just stopped the conversation. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I was doing missions. It's because I actually want to know this person more than just what we're talking about business, saying, hey, man, where have you given up hope? And I want to tell you guys, that is awkward to ask someone that question. Where have you lost hope? That's an awkward question, but it goes straight to the heart. Let's quit messing around. Where have you lost hope? I know someone who can help you. It's incredible. You are salt. You are light. This one, this is the one. Jesus said, there are rivers of living water flowing within you. 
When you walk away from people, they should literally have a little bit of water on them. There are rivers of living water flowing within you. Who is that? The Spirit of God. Have you ever gone to the Old Testament and looked at those four rivers that it describes that Jesus is making reference to? Crazy, crazy, crazy what's happening inside of us simply because of who dwells there. As we come in contact with people, guys, it's not about did I, was I religious enough? Was it, did I inv- introduce them to Christianity enough? It's did I walk away? Were they wet? I love to consider when I'm communicating with someone, I, it's just strange, but it works for me. I'm communicating with someone, I literally consider taking a hand in a stream, and while they're talking, I'm just splashing them in the face. <laughs> literally. Why? Because it's refreshing. It is. I'm hot. I'm tired. I'm thirsty. I haven't had a real drink of real water in years. And here you are just, it's all over me. Why? Because you are in the same room with them. Guys, we, this isn't a choice thing. That's the deal. This isn't a choice thing. I have given you this ministry of reconciliation. I brought you back to me. Now you go bring others back to me. It's simply saying, all right, I'm going to pony up. Father, I'm surrounded by people who have no hope. Which ones are actually looking for hope? I'll do my deal, but you've got to make it clear. I'll do what I can, you make it clear. Is there any freedom happening? We make this, we make this such a weighty deal. There's freedom. He has been set free. He is free. What made Jesus different than all the other religious leaders of his time? A spirit of joy was upon him. He laughed and chuckled and told jokes and did pranks. He was alive. Are we? And then lastly, which I think we've, get, we've gotten this out of order. <laughs> lastly, he literally says, Scripture says, be prepared to share the hope in which you have. Be prepared, in season and out of season, when you're working, when you're not. Be prepared to share the hope you have. Is your hope in how many times you've read the Bible this week? If so, you're going to be disappointed. Is your, is your hope in how long you've been a part of God's family? If so, you're missing. Be prepared to share the hope. Guys, where I think we get it out of order, I, I think we go to people, and this is the first thing we want to address. I've been practicing sharing the gospel, so I want to get it out there. And I want to tell you the hope in which I have. And quite honestly, they didn't ask. I just think, I know we want to be involved. I know you want to be involved in this kingdom. I I know we want to serve the Lord. I want to help us, as, as a church leadership, we want to help you get to the point to where Hey, we're not serving God. We're just working with him. He's going to do this deal with us or without us. But we've been invited to be a part of it. I can't serve you, God, but I can work with you. And I just want to bring people close enough so they can see who you really are because you've said I'm light and there's a circumference of light around me. I just want to bring people close enough, get over the awkwardness, bring them close enough so they can see who you really are and what you really want to do with them. It's amazing. You each, you each have a story. You each have a testimony of you felt like God said something, you did it, and there was fruit, there was hope, there was life. Guys, that wasn't an accident. That was a pre-planned deal. 
You were just obedient that day. Lastly, where? Where do we reconcile? Where do we help others? Jesus told the disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. The disciples had to go into Jerusalem, and you know what they had to do for a period of days? They had to wait. When Jesus said that, there were 500 disciples. When Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world, there were 500 disciples there. When they actually received what they were waiting for, there were 120. Go read it. When Jesus ascended, there were more than 500 adults. When the Spirit of God came, there were 120 in the upper room. Where'd the other 380 go? Where did the other 380 go? I, I, would, I would put this on the table. They came up with their own plan. They had good ideas, they came up with their own plan, and they went out and they did it. And there might have been some good fruit. But it wasn't eternal and it wasn't long-lasting. He has a way. He wants us to be a part of this deal, guys. I think we need to simplify it. I, I, I'm going to be confident. I'm going to say, I know we need to simplify it. It's not as complicated as, we, as, we, as we've made this thing. I, I can't wait till one day we meet this guy that Sean met, met at, at Discount Tire. And he's alive and he has hope. Why? Because he met Sean? No, because he finally gave his heart to Jesus. And he said, you win. You can have the keys. You drive. Here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. It's going to be a little awkward for some of us. It's going to be great for some of us. You're going to get time alone. The best way to be alone in a room with this size is close your eyes. There's nothing spiritual about closing your eyes. It just means I'm alone. You're going to get an opportunity to be alone for about three, four minutes. And here's what we want you to ask. Father, where is my Jerusalem? For most of you, your Jerusalem is your home and your workplace. And Jesus said, I want you to be witnesses in Jerusalem. Where you live and where you work, that's where you spend most of your time, your Jerusalem. Just be my witnesses. Quit trying to come up with fun, fun, fun things. Just be my witnesses. What have I done for you? And then he says, I want you to be my witnesses in Judea. For most of us guys, that's the rest of my community. That's where I buy my groceries. That's where I ship my packages. That's where I take my, my coffee. Just be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. And if you'll be faithful there, then he says, I may actually have a place for you to go on the other side of the world because you've been faithful where I've already put you. Maybe not. Maybe so. So you're about to ask, your spirit of God is with us this morning. You experienced him during worship, but he hadn't left. You're about to ask spirit of God, where is my Jerusalem? And who are the people in my life they are not satisfied. They're not content. They want more. And I'm telling you guys, it's not a faith thing, it's a reality thing. You're going to start remembering people and things that come out of their mouth. And where does the words that come out of our mouth come from? The heart. And you're going to remember some of the things they've said and you're going to know where their heart is. It's going to happen this morning. Where's my Jerusalem, Father? Where's my Judea? Spirit of God, who are the merchants and the trespassers in my life that they're that desperate? Holy Spirit, ears to hear and eyes to see. We would ask for ears to hear and eyes to see. Take three or four minutes. 
Try to turn your brain off and let, your, let the ears of your heart listen. Some of you have heard a very faint voice, and it's going to take a little bit of faith. And I would encourage you, don't, don't run out and invite them to lunch today. You heard, you heard a faint, faint words, faint names. It's going to take a little faith to believe that was from the Lord and not your own conjuring up. I would encourage you, just simply start praying over them and for them, asking for opportunities to bump into them. Some of you heard very clearly. You saw the face of the guy that you work with very clearly. You already know the condition of his marriage. You already know the condition of his life. You, you've, you've always been aware of it. And the Lord has made it very, very clear. If you will just invite him to spend time with you, I'll take care of the rest. Take a risk. You don't have to have all the answers. He does. You don't have to know everything, guys. The knower's with you. We're going to stand up and we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to give our hearts to Jesus. During this moment, guys, I want to encourage you. It's a brand new beginning of a year. It's a brand new beginning of a season. Quit worrying about where you missed in the past. Get over it. It's in the past. It's over. Starting today, Lord God, what are you saying? I want to be part of it. Jesus, you have set our hearts free. You have brought us freedom and we are surrounded by people who are in bondage. We have the keys to the kingdom you gave them to us. Father, show us what door hold to put these keys in. Show us what doors to open and we'll be faithful. We'll, we'll, we'll work with you.